Some of you may know the name Jimmy Valvano. Many of you don't. He was a college basketball coach at North Carolina State University. And in 1983, his team was probably the least likely to win the national championship, but they did. And often you'll see, if you're a sports fan, they recreate that moment after it, he wins that he runs onto the court and he can't find anybody to hug. It's really an interesting look. But 10 years after that event, he came back to the campus for a celebration. Eight months prior to that, he had been diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer, metastatic adenocarcinoma. At the celebration, he spoke. Even to this day, you will hear that speech when we come around the corner to the NCAA finals. Here's just a small clip of what he said. Cancer can take away all of my physical capabilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. And it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And that's what I'm going to try to do every minute that I have left. I will thank God for the day and the moment I have. If you see me, smile and maybe give me a hug. Two months later, at the age of 47, he passed away. But he never gave up. And that is a biblical concept, not to give up. The writer in 2 Chronicles 15.7 says, But don't give up. You know, no, rather, take courage. Don't let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Don't give up. That's for us today, church. As we come to the fifth in our series of help, Every one of us here have experienced some moment in life where we felt like quitting. And maybe at some points we did quit, but now we're back again. But the idea is this. We need to understand the help we need in order to not give up. We've talked about anxiety. That was the first week. We talked about conflict. And then Alan shared his testimony of his family that touched all of us. Then we talked about fear. And today, we come to this concept that you can't quit. Now, that's easier said than done, isn't it? How many times you've thought about it. Well, let me tell you, life is a battle. Don't need that. <laughs> life is a battle. And it's not a physical battle, though many of us have to wrestle with that too. It's a spiritual battle. The Apostle Paul said, we don't fight our battles, our wars against flesh and blood, but against spiritual properties, those things that are opposed to us. Those are the things that we fight. Well, there are days when I rise up and I have no desire whatsoever to engage in those battles because I haven't strengthened myself the day before or the night before or even in that morning. Every day is one of those days for most of us. We have to take on the day. 
I remember the day that I said, honey, I just don't feel like going to church today. She said, well, you have to. I said, why? You're the pastor. (laughs) That didn't really happen. (laughs) But see, here's the logic. If I don't start, I don't have to worry about not finishing. Right? If I'm afraid I'm going to fail, then I might as well just not start. But in the Christian walk, we can't fail because God is on our side. He's the one who's going to see us through these times. We're not going to suffer from those two different three-letter things, DNS, DNF. Did not start, did not finish. We're going to start each day. And we're going to finish each day by His grace and His mercy. Now what it's going to take is a change. Certainly it takes an attitude change. But I believe there's another change that takes place that helps the attitude change. And that is an altitude change. What am I talking about? Well, Ephesians Chapter 2, starting in verse 4, Paul says this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now here comes the part that's important. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. All of you who are in Christ Jesus, at this moment, you and I are actually seated with him in the heavenlies outside of time and space. That's how he sees us. But in reality, we're here, but our attitude should be driven by our altitude. So we should understand that this is all temporary. It is important. It is essential. But there is a day coming. When you and I will be seated with him and we will have that ultimate victory. Well, he wants you to claim that victory now in this time and space. So no matter how bad it gets, no matter how depressed you may come, no matter what the things are that are coming against you, you your attitude must be a victorious attitude in Christ Jesus. Six years ago when my wife was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and it was in five different places in her body, she came out of that oncologist's office and she said to me, I'm going to praise God every day for whatever the rest of my life might be. I don't know that I could do that. I haven't been faced with that. But she has done that every single day, just praising God. All of us need to learn how to do that. We're seated with him in these heavenly realms. So we're no longer bound by gravity. I would rather put my hope in eternity than my fears in gravity. You see, nothing's going to hold me back in serving God and loving God. Nothing is there that can hold you back. So you shouldn't quit. You can't give up just because the circumstances are different. You have been raised above the circumstances. So it's possible for you then, with God's help, to make it through that situation that you find yourself in. He doesn't always 
deliver us from, does he? Sometimes we have to go through. I remember once when I almost quit. I was only three months into seminary. We were on food stamps. We were out of money. We didn't know what we were going to do. I went into a professor and I said, I think I made a mistake. I'm not called to the ministry. His phone rang. He picked it up, said a few words, put it back down. He said, now you're called. <laughs> I said, what? He said, you're preaching this Sunday. I had never preached before. But this was a sign from God. You know what he was saying? You can't quit. Well, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad that God gave me the strength and he intervened supernaturally to make a way. And he always does that for his children. He loves us. Jesus never quit. He plodded through those 33 plus years with one goal in mind. And he achieved that goal. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? Had he quit, we would still be dead in our trespasses and sins. Well, even when it appears that you're losing the battle, you're not. Because the Bible says there's this great cloud of witnesses. What it's talking about is everyone who has loved Jesus and has gone before us, they're all up there. Now, I don't know whether they see us or don't see us. The Bible says there's no communication between there and here, except what God wants to let us know. But I know they're up there cheering for us. That's that great cloud of witnesses. To me, that's the big house. I can't wait to get there. But I'm not in any hurry. Right? So I know I'm going to continue to face options and choices. And those choices have to be fashioned in such a way that I give God the opportunity to help me and I give you the opportunity to help me. You see, we don't have to do this alone. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. To me, these are statements where Paul is saying, we have this going against us and we could quit, but we won't. This is coming against me, but I'm not going to quit. I can't quit. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations, if it were not for your loving kindness, we would be consumed each morning. Your mercies are new. Great is your faithfulness unto us. That's my life verse. So here's how you should start your morning. You get up in the morning. I don't know when you choose to read scripture. I do it every morning. Read it anytime you want. There's no right or wrong on when we read it. But I get up in the morning and I say, whoa, I didn't quit yesterday, and so you let me make it through the night, Lord. Thank you. Your mercies are new today. And I don't want to quit today. Whatever you have for me, I'll do. But I need your help. I can't do this alone. And I hear him say to me, not only, well, I'll be with you. I've made that promise. But he also says, so, so will that great cloud of witnesses that are here as well as that great cloud that's up there. See, we have each other. So we have everything we need to win.
but you can't quit. You need that new start every day. Why? Because there's a strength in you. Maybe you're aware of it, maybe you're not. Paul said it this way, I can do all things through him, Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. That's the strength you need to make it through each day. Now, to illustrate that, I've invited a good friend of mine up here by the name of Dr. Tracy Ulrich. And Tracy is a professor at CMU in sports psychology. Tracy has uh, had a walk of his own that led him almost to quit a couple of times. So we're going to talk about that today. Tracy, thanks for being with us. I understand you started off in sports very young. Tell us about that. Oh, well, I did. Yeah, like many of you, I uh, started at a young age, um, playing different sports. But the thing that I was really interested in was weight training and bodybuilding. So when I was yeah, 13 years <laughs> when I was 13 years old, my, my older brother and I bugged my parents until for Christmas we got that first 110-pound weight set, that Sears cement-filled plastic one. Maybe you. Remember those, but that was the start of the process. Um, began working out, uh, fell in love with it. Competed a couple times in bodybuilding as a teenager, but once uh, in high school and another time in college. And then you went on into that opportunity to really do something great. You thought you were going to be like one of your idols at that time. Who was that? Well, uh, about that time, again, this was uh, in the mid-'70s, Arnold Schwarzenegger was still competing, and Arnold was an inspiration to us all. And, and uh, I was also fortunate, if you grew up during that time, the genre of movies during that time, if you remember, the Rocky movies were out, and, and movies like that was all about overcoming. And then so when you got into exciting. your 20s, you decided to compete. Yes, uh, competed a couple times, like say, as a teenager. But then after your teenage years in bodybuilding, you're, all of a sudden you're going against the big boys. Uh, so took some years off to try to get bigger and stronger, get myself ready for competition, and decided to uh, compete in the 1986 Natural Mr. Michigan. Now in Michigan, uh, you have, uh, it, it, actually in bodybuilding, you have different types of shows. You have the, the regular shows and the natural shows. Natural shows are the ones that are drug tested, so that's what I was preparing myself for. It was the 86 Michigan. And how did you do in that competition? <laughs> well, uh, I was training for the competition. Um, about eight weeks out, I just uh, really got, went over the top with my training and my diet. Um, lost 32 pounds in 28 days, uh, preparing to get on stage. There are stage. many of us here who would like that diet. <laughs> but again, it was pretty extreme. It was pretty extreme. Uh, of course, you know, again, I, I had worked out all through college. All my buddies knew me as a person who was a bodybuilder, a person who worked out, got a hold of them. Uh, they all showed up uh, for the competition, got on stage, and uh, I got crushed, got blown away. You lost. It was very humiliating. Yeah. Well, sorry mm -hmm. to hear that, um, but did you, did you quit? I thought about it. I seriously thought about it. Um, because as we do things, a lot of times, the more we're involved in those, we take up our identity uh, through that, which we probably shouldn't. Our identity is in Christ, but we end up identifying in those things that we do. And I saw myself as a bodybuilder, and then when I got crushed in that competition, um, 
I felt like a failure, uh, not just as a bodybuilder, but as a person. But when we come up against something like we, we believe we've failed in it, there is something called training that can take over, even in the Christian life. So tell us what you did. Well, again, I, I went back and forth actually for a couple months after that. Maybe I should just quit. Maybe this isn't, isn't for me. But then I decided, you know, I, I, I got to find out for myself if I really have what it takes. So I decided to give myself two years to get ready for the next show. Not eight weeks, but two years. But instead of this time being extreme, it was just going to be the slow grind. Because I knew, I actually knew in my heart as an athlete, it's the slow grind that makes the difference. So I, I started my, my contest training, the extra stuff, two years out. When most people give 12 to 16 weeks, I was given, I, I took two years. Um, started my diet a year and a half out. But again, nothing extreme. It was a slow grind. But you did join a gym. Why would you do that? I did. Uh, first, I thought I needed to join the gym because I needed the equipment. But as I joined the gym, I found the other, the other stuff. And what I really needed was the people coming alongside me. You know, I ended up with some great training partners along the way and just different people encouraging. And then you went into the competition, and how did that go? Um, well, as I was getting ready over those two years, um, things started to fall in place. I was looking in the mirror. You know, things were getting better. Got in a couple of shows along the way, did pretty well. And then when it came for the, uh, the competition, I ended up winning the overall. Wow. So you were Mr. Natural Michigan? I was Mr. Natural Michigan, 1988, way back then. All right. Hey, hey. What <laughs> uh, a while ago. Now, let's take all of that and superimpose it upon the Christian walk. And what I'm hearing are things like um, you made a constant decision that you wouldn't quit. And talk to me a little bit about um, how athletes that you work with at CMU face the fear of failure. Yeah. You know, a big part of quitting, again, has to do with the fact that as a person is involved in athletics and the, more, the longer they're involved in athletics, the more that becomes a part of their identity. And so when they fail, they feel like they failed as a person rather than, again, realizing it's just something they do. But that, that failure um, that they have, the, the fear that, the, that goes around with it is actually the fear of, for most athletes, the fear of judgment. Because again, athletics, you, you fail in a public domain. You feel like everyone's watching you. Most of us are not afraid to fail when we're all by ourselves, but it's when we're in that public domain that we really have that fear. And for most athletes uh, who, who struggle and think about quitting, a lot of times it has nothing to do with the sport, but the, the, the concern, uh, again, about failing and failing in front of the crowd. Failing in front of family Well, and you know, again, think about who's in that crowd. Your parents are in that crowd, your coaches, your teammates. Actually, those people are cheering for you. And the fans, the fans want you to do well. And this sounds crazy, but even the opposing fans want you to do well because the best contests are where it goes down to the line, where both, both sides are doing great. And, again, getting people to realize that that's, that's a... a uh, a group that's cheering for you, whether it be your cloud of witnesses, but that, that's a group that's cheering for you and getting them to realize that and that they're really encouraging you to be the best you can be. So we take that and we put it on top of you and me, all of us. We are believers, followers of Jesus Christ. We can't quit, but we need each other. We need to be in relationships with one another because that is encouraging. You are the great cloud of witnesses for one another. 
And that means you should be doing something like getting in a group. Are you in a group? I am. Uh, over the last uh, about a year and a half, uh, been in a, a group that has met on Sundays. Um, also, uh, my barn is actually have converted it into a gym. And so uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning, five days a week, there's an unofficial small group from this church that shows up to work out. And that's another uh, fun group that I have. But you have to realize it's not heated and it's not air-conditioned. So 6 o'clock in the morning in the winter is really tough. Thank you, Tracy, for All being right. with us could today, I, Could brother? I just say one more thing? Of course. One more thing. Um, Wally pulled up Philippians 4.13. We all know this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's the next verse? But still it was good for you to be here for me in my time of struggle. He wanted the, he was in, uh, thanking the Philippians. He'd just been through the hardest time that he had been through. Everyone else had deserted him, but the Philippians had came through for him. So anyways, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it was good for you to be here for me in my time of struggle. Thank you, brother. All right, thank you. Sometimes it's good to put flesh to thought, isn't it? Thomas Edison said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always try one more time. And I think that's what we have to do. So there's six major times, key times, when we should never give up. I'm sure there are more than those, but I really prioritize these six They'll show on the side screens and you'll be able to see them. The first one is this. Don't give up when you failed in sin. Peter said, I'm going fishing. But Jesus met him on the shore because he should not have given up. God had a plan for his life. Don't give up when prayers aren't answered. Daniel prayed and waited 21 days to get an answer from God, but he never quit. He didn't give up. He knew God was on his way. Don't give up when Satan's darts get through your defenses like they did for the Apostle Paul. We'll talk more about that one next week. Don't give up when there seems to be no fruit or harvest after years of work. That's a hard one, isn't it? You've worked and worked and worked and you don't see anything from it. Jeremiah never saw a single convert through all of his years of ministry, but he didn't quit. Don't quit when you feel you're all alone. You're not alone. Elijah thought he was alone out there in the wilderness, and God said, no, I have a remnant of people. Don't give up when you're weary. Jesus did not give up, but for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. What was that joy? That reconnection with the Father and the Spirit, going back to those beginnings. And he had joy for that. So in the midst of suffering... He was looking forward to the joy. That's true of the Christian life. Nothing comes naturally when you're a Christian. It all comes supernaturally. You won't quit if you realize it's not up to you. It's up to God in you that we sang today. It's, it's up to you to be able to move forward with his help. I asked this friend of mine about quitting, and he said, you need to remove that from your vocabulary because after a while, 
You don't even know what it means. With time and practice, not quitting becomes so ingrained in you that nothing can make you stop. Then Wayne Clark, whom I grew up with in high school, told me this true story from his life. Wayne is a runner. He runs, on average, 500 miles a year. He enters 15 races. One of those is the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta. Wayne normally comes in in the top five. He's won a few. Mostly he's in that top five. Some young men wanted to know if they could be like him someday. And he said, uh, it's going to take a lot of work because he said, I've been doing this all my life. Wayne is a strong follower of Jesus Christ. He told me a true story about that Peachtree Road race. He said the race had been completed. He said I had gotten all of my stuff together, didn't have my results yet because they do that by age grouping. He said I was walking away and I looked down and I could see the track and I saw a drum and a fife. Two people, one playing the drum, one playing the fife. And I saw just in front of them a young man with a track outfit on with a number. He said the race had been over for probably 40 minutes. And he said, I noticed that he had cerebral palsy. Hear his words. The runner was afflicted with what looked like cerebral palsy, which made it very difficult for him to walk. But he moved on with a crooked, staggering gait. A crowd had filed in behind the trio to see them to the finish line. Despite his awareness, the young man's gaze never varied. It was fixed straight ahead toward the finish. The contorted look of determination on that young man's face was more powerful than any I have ever witnessed on any champion in any event. He might have finished last, but he was an astounding winner by any definition. Then he concludes, that's why we run. There are no losers at the finish line. Only winners, each in their own way. Wow, does that speak to us as believers in Christ? There are no losers at the finish line. We continue to run the race. We continue to move ahead toward that destiny which God has claimed for us, which he paid for through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. We keep moving toward it because we know this, that in the end, having not quit, we win. 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, we're now included, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So in the words from Scripture that tell us not to quit, from Jimmy Valvano, who said, don't quit, don't ever quit, from Tracy, who said he almost quit, but he didn't quit and got the victory. And from Wayne, 
who observed someone who was least likely to ever finish, but he finished. From them, from all of them, and from the Lord to us today, don't quit. Don't ever quit. We are here one for another. Don't give up. Let's pray. Without you, Lord, we are prone to wander. We are destined to quit. Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit in us to move us in such a way that we are encouraged each day when we rise. That even when there are steps that feel like failures, we know we have one another. We have hope in you. So Lord, we cast our cares upon you because we know you care for us. And we ask today that whatever this week may hold for us, that you will be our strength, our defender, our provider, our savior. And we will follow you and we won't quit. For we pray it all in the Master's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.